0: Hello, pals. This is the Comics Pals Book Club. I'm here, your host this time, because you voted for the book that I picked. Uh, I'm your host, Tyler. I'm here with Sean. Hello, hello. Marco.
1: What's it going on?
0: And Kale is off in Old Town right now, probably dodging uh, either gunfire or uh, cars. There's a lot of people dodging or getting hit by cars in this book. Um, so that, that's what Kale's up to. So no Kale this week. But uh, hello, welcome. This time, we're talking about Frank Miller's 1993 Sin City, A Dame to Kill For. Uh, So this is Frank Miller's 1993 book. This uh, Sin City, A Dame to Kill For is the first miniseries in the Sin City franchise, whereas the first Sin City book was published in Dark Horse Presents. uh, And this was kind of the more, uh, let's cash in on that Sin City goodness that people liked in its own book. So this is published by Dark Horse in 93. Um, And it's probably the most accessible Sin City story. So that's why I wanted to pick this one. uh, Because I wasn't sure if you two pals have ever read Sin
2: City. Have you guys? No.
1: Yeah, no. It's always been an interest, but never got around to it.
2: I saw the first movie.
1: Oh, I've seen the movie. Uh, The movie's movie's really good. That's a lot of fun.
2: Yeah.
1: It's funny because
0: I've not seen the movies.
1: Okay, yeah. Uh, And it's interesting because that made me interested in the books but i've never gone to like explore so i'm glad we got to read this and and i didn't know that it started out like that as kind of like a presents and moved and kind of like graduated into its own thing so that's really cool
0: cool well i'm excited to talk about the book for you uh with with you guys but uh, i did want to just get it out of the way first uh if you like what we do, support us on Patreon, Patreon.com/comicspals. If you like uh, the stuff we put on YouTube, we have the Vi Pals YouTube membership that you can be a part of. We get a cool little name, uh, green little name in the in the chat, uh, and you get some advanced uh, viewing on some kind of more short form evergreen content that I think you'd really like. And if you have you know suggestions for that, please let us know. But what we do now, oh Tom account in the chat, one of those aforementioned Vi Pals. Nice to see you, Tom account. But let's, uh, let, let's get into this. Um, so have you guys nebbing, never having read Sin City before. I actually read this for the first time, I think in 2016. Um, I read this for uh, a, a different comic book podcast. <laughs> uh, this was actually recommended to me by, by Matthew Murphy. And uh, when I read it originally, I, I wasn't hot on it. It wasn't my favorite thing ever but I've read it multiple times since because it's just one of those books that just really jumps out to you on the on the bookshelf. Uh, it's, I got this, I don't know what version this is, but it's like the pale, bright white copy. So it's always popping out of my shelf. Uh, and so I always pick it up. I'm always like, oh, it's a small book. And then I read it and then it's all prose. Um, so I always forget it's not, a, it's not a short book. But yeah, I was excited to kind of delve into this. Um, have you guys, you, you guys have, we, we did uh, talked about... Um, Year one before on the show, right? Have we talked about Frank Miller books in a book club?
1: I don't believe. No. Yeah, I don't think so.
0: That's wild that we're
2: starting with Sin City. Okay. Well, we did the year one book club, but.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. But but like him as a complete artist, doing all this stuff, and like, no, I don't think so. What,
0: what's your so What's your general opinion on Frank Miller? Because this is '93 Frank Miller, so you know, Dark Knight is already a thing. Uh, you know, Daredevil, Year One—that's that's all things. So, so Frank Miller is kind of going more into the creator-owned space and kind of carving out his own uh, a section that that is kind of where he lives now uh, in his work.
1: Uh, I'm a fan. I mean, his stuff I think is iconic for a few reasons, and has sort of stood the test of time for a few reasons. I think uh, uh, alongside the. Uh, revitalization of batman like and and that's a sort of aside i think he's just well known for his art and he has this blockiness to it he has this kind of very uh, plain maybe not always as like full of depth in the sense of it doesn't look like it's always full it's just a a a flat series of lines on a page i think that that separates him from other artists and even contemporaries where maybe people are going a little bit more detail focused. He's kind of pulling back away from, um, in my opinion, form. He, well, that's one of the, the biggest things he plays with is form. And everything in this book is all implication. We are yeah. implying the shape of something. We're implying a line, certain direction. And I think that is one of the hallmarks of frank miller is yeah he can do his inks yeah he can draw superheroes but when it comes to like his artistry uh, i think he's unparalleled he's like some of this stuff i could see on uh you know modern day museum wall or an exhibit or something some of its museum really wall <laughs> it's the cool. moma
0: having uh, just uh, uh negative space nudies by frank miller
1: hey man solid work
0: well, so I mean, I, I do want to get into the art because I think personally that this this book is an art showcase for me, um, and a and a comics medium showcase more so than you know a story. The story is it's it's a noir story, <laughs> um, and it's it's a little cookie cutter, uh, but I think it, this is more of a, a visual spectacle for me, uh, Sean, in terms of your your enjoyment of Frank Miller as a creator, um. Do you, have you have you ever read any of his stuff outside of a superhero book?
2: Nope. Uh, and I never really cared to, actually. Um, you know, I think Frank Miller is very good. I think um, you know the superhero stuff is great, but there's nothing that nothing about it that's made me feel like I need to go and see what else he's done. Um, and I would say that this. I, I felt the exact same way about this. Like it's good, but it doesn't. It doesn't make me care. Um, it doesn't make me want to see more. Um, I, I guess. I guess I like my Frank Miller and doses. I'm not really that huge on, like from an art standpoint. I like the writing. Like I like the story of Sin City a lot, but the art. Um, Marco said. Marco said it well. The implication. Of um, of things. I don't care for that. I I like uh, I like the explicitness of art. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I actually found it difficult to even understand sometimes what we were supposed to be looking at. Mm. And I don't think that that should ever be the case. So. Um, Sorry, I thought
0: I want to ask you. So I wanted to kind of get that out of the way first, because it seems like you're not the hottest on this. Uh, I wanted to get like a general temperature check on the, on this book.
2: Okay, so so this, you weren't the hottest on this book, as a whole. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I just don't think I like. Like I said, it doesn't make me. It didn't make me care more about Frank Miller. Uh, it's cool to see a creator of his stature at a time when he was still very very motivated um sure and that's something that you can see on the page there's a rawness to it that i really like Hmm. and an honesty that i really like but again most of my problems are art problems um i don't like black and white comics damn yeah i don't
1: Do, do you feel at least it was used in an effective way like like the the black and white was used in an effective way
2: there were times when I thought it was, yeah. There were times when I, when there were things that were done that I was like, oh wow, that's kind of cool. Um, but it's, I, I think probably more the first half of the book um, was was really, really, like Marco said, just implication, just shadow, and not really much clarity. And I had a big problem with that.
0: So when you say implication, like, can we can we can we expand upon that for the for the listener and, and viewer? What do you mean exactly by that? Or I guess uh, Marco is the one who brought it up. So what did you mean by that?
1: Do you have a page uh, up? Because I can... I can bring one up, yeah. Honestly, mm-hmm. I, I, I think
0: I know what you mean. I think any page will work. But yeah, I just yeah, want to yeah, explain yeah. that to the, to uh, the listener.
1: Part, in particular, if you can, page 60 that I shared, the last one. Um, or the one with the... the which one call it? Um, the sh, the yeah, yeah, I have, I have them up. Yep. Okay, Okay, okay. Um, in, in, it's not up for me yet, but but... Uh, I think one of the the biggest things that he he does is he uses the white space Um, and and, in the example that that Tyler has, um, the smoke, like realistically, uh, or even the the top panel, it's five, five shapes, realistically four shapes. Um, It's a series of, uh, it's a semicircle, almost like a crescent, it's an oval, it's maybe like an oblong square, and then there's another oblong rectangle. That's it. But realistically, what you're looking at, what's being implied in that top panel, is a man with a hat, um, uh, one of those like butler hats, you know, car, it's, it's whatever Manute hats. It's the, the character. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, Manute, the character, and he's throwing a fist. It's four fingers and a thumb. And yes, it could just be those four shapes as well. But I think because of the way that it works sequentially, obviously you know the previous page coming before is minute trying to attack somebody. And that's all you see. And that's the only thing that Frank Miller cares to show you in this in this moment is a punch coming towards you with an angled hat. Uh, And for me, those moments are incredibly strong, super effective, with uh, realistically not a lot of I think detail needed to explain and express what's going on. Um, And for me, I think it's it accentuates it, because Let's say you're in a fight things get hazy things get fuzzy exactly All well, you yeah. can maybe see our shapes so for me i think i think it translates really well and then the subsequent panel here is a punch you, know, you get knocked out um i I, th- I think for me it it works really well and um in its simplicity and i find that an effective way to communicate a lot of times in comics is if you can make it simple and communicative then you've done a really good job at Presenting the audience with an idea, a piece of story, or a piece of art. Um, I think the complexity or added complexity has places, uh, but for me, this fits thematically um, and it just fits aesthetically. So I, I, I really enjoy it.
0: What I think the simplicity of it all is what I like. I, I like how it's simple, but it's. Uh, uh, um, I, I wrote it down here. What did I? It, it's specific. If that makes sense. Um, mm. Every, so, as I, so, I I think this is my third read-through of this. So, I'm starting to see things a little more, more, a little differently as I'm going through it. You know, the first time around, it's, you know, we'll talk about the the story coming up, but uh, it was very much like, all right, story beats real great. But, like, now I'm realizing, like, like how how much this is a singular vision of a creator. Um, Especially with the way uh, page layout is and panel layout and letterbox layout. Uh, one of the things we always talk about on the show, on our weekly show, on Pals polls, is um, letterboxes or balloons taking up, you know, actual art space where you can tell there's art behind it that's you know blocking out. The the, the letterboxes are purposely lay out, laid out in a way where there where there wasn't art behind it because it was thought about simultaneously as the art was being made. Like in the same the same page that you mentioned, page sixty. Um with uh, Dwight getting kind of punched uh, out of this this car. Uh the letterboxes are are not blocking anything. They're in the they're in the panels, but they're specifically there. There's a couple of instances of it. Um or even the onomatopoeias are specifically used to f- like meld in with the art um to kind of flow with the action at the same time. And I just really love the uh the thought put into it. Um, yeah. where you can tell it, it, it's just one person doing this. It's not a team um, where I, I guess too many cooks in the kitchen can sometimes happen or things become a little more like, all right, this was handed off to this guy after this step and then this guy took it over after this step. Uh, this all felt like it was happening at once um, and then we actually get it on the page. And I think the what I thought what you meant by the um, implication is that there's no real solid forms in this book. Everything kind of feels uh like like a like a everything's more molded by the light really the lighting in this Mm. um it's it's black and white which we've read black and white books on the show before I, i think you know when people think about black and white comics the the one that everyone thinks about is the walking dead and that book is a comic book that just happens to be black and white i think it works with the walking dead nature of it because of you know uh it can show like blood without actually showing blood and all that but this is different, where it's more like black and light, not black and white. Um, where, like the 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 panel that you gave me, I think it was page fifty five, where, and we see these this this roof tiling, this like shackling, uh, multiple times throughout the book, and they're not there's no lines drawn really. It's just the shapes of the lighting of it that form it, that I just think is insane. Um, the only person I can think about even doing something similar currently is like Danny, if you're familiar with Danny the artist. Oh who's yeah. It was fantastic. Um Danny did some stuff with um with Gotham in, in Arkham in an Arkham backup that was that was amazing. So I actually love the the loose but specific nature of the art in this.
1: I think that call out on using light makes uh is a lot of, makes a lot of sense. There was one that I had shared um that has some nudity, so we can't share it. But it's on page
0: fifty-three. <laughs> Marco picked all the the titty pages. Like I was like, dude, Ooh. it's on YouTube. Come on.
1: <laughs> well, it, this one I in on fifty-three, because it's the very uh, it's the last panel, and um, it shows just a woman stretched out. She's bearing her chest, but if you if you look at the the shape of the breast, realistically, it's just two crescent black splotches. That's all sure. it really is. And uh, to be able to take a look at that and see shape, see some level of uh, roundness or depth to that based on how the uh, the 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 thickness of the shadow is or the thickness of the black, just splotch is Um, for me that that is the implication is really these are just like blotchy shapes. But by putting them in specific locations against each other in juxtaposition, you're implying some sort of shape or form. Uh, and, and that to me is, uh, that just blows my mind. There, there were moments where I was reading and I found myself four pages after being like, oh shit, I forgot all, I stopped reading all the text. I just, just was looking at pages and I proceeded through, say, wait, wait, I got to go back like five pages, read again. And then I would, again, just get lost looking at, there are moments where I would stop and think, do you think he inked this or do you think he started on a white page and then just added colors or like added inks? Because... I don't know what makes more sense: the artistry of it or the like efficiency of of creating that page.
0: Dude, I thought about how you did this, and it it breaks my brain. Um, my brain is Same. not comprehend that way, um, Sean. So you you don't you're more of a you prefer like deliberately drawn, um, where things have a little more form, and the ambiguity of what's on the page uh, is less so.
2: Is, is yeah, I, like, I don't, I don't really find it to be that interesting. Um, you know, it's style for the sake of it, and I think it definitely applies here because it's a noir book. But that's the only reason to do it, um, and that I don't care for. So, because like, I if if it's just for the sake of style, then I'd rather have clarity.
1: Sure,
0: and and I think you have a point there, where you're saying like this is there he's doing this because he can do it, you know? Uh, and, and I think that's one of the other things I want to touch upon here is I think this, the idea of this book in 93 is a very specific choice. Um, so what this book is, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a noir book. If you've, you know, watched Chinatown, if you watched Casablanca, if you've, you know, if you've read Batman books before year one, <laughs> uh, this is the classic, uh, not a detective, but there's, uh, the, our, our protagonist, Dwight, is a photographer, and he kind of gets mixed in with an old flame, who's the femme fatale of the story, Ava, who, um, needs help from her husband at the time, and then things go wonky, uh, spoiler, she is a femme fatale, so she is not all that she seems, and halfway through the book, we get a turn, um, it's, I think, a traditional noir book, but it's set in this weird Sin City, Um, universe but the way I think about this being published in 93 is that in 92 we had the image boom and this was the exact opposite of what Image was doing really. (laughs) Image was like hey uh, uh, DC, Marvel we're going to put out our own books. These are all going to be huge bombastic superheroes. I'm thinking uh, you know uh, Youngblood. I'm thinking you know uh, uh, I I always think of Shaft when I think of Image Comics you know. (laughs) Max. Uh, yeah, yeah, but stuff like that, you know, um Savage Dragon eventually as well. A- and this is a, a, a distinct turn away from that. Um it's creator owns, it's it's at Dark Horse, but instead Miller says, Hey, I'm gonna actually, you know, kind of take the idea of like what Will Eisner was doing and kind of put my own spin on that. Um it's not superhero heroics. Um it's everyone is kind of shitty in this. There is no... There are protagonists in it with Dwight and, and Marv kind of makes like a cameo who's in the first volume of Sin City. He's the main character of that. Um, But nobody's really good in this. Which is kind of the opposite in my mind of what superhero books were at the time. There was very clear cut.
1: I, I, th- I think it comes down to your point on the, the noir nature of it. Like It very much is... Hitting beats that you see before, and I think it makes for good. It makes for a good structure. Like this is a a, a good way to 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 frame the narrative and the story, and that makes it fun. Um, there are definitely moments where I could feel the. I, I could just feel the genre. I, I um in particular where they. Um, Where Drake, you know he's like oh i i can't do it one i can't have her enter my life again and then he goes in and provokes the very fact that uh he goes over to take pictures and just just check in i you know i just need to do the thing i'm like okay fine we get it you're a flawed character that you know you're you're holding to your your values but really you're just looking for a reason to cave okay easy enough um the part where he (laughs) where he hits her uh, after telling her she's like beautiful or something and then they kiss but then strikes again and and, and there's just these contrasts that go back and forth and you know they, they're icky uh they're icky in some moments but sometimes they're also just again the genre you're you're looking at this um, idealized masculine man going for a last hurrah with this um with this dame by her by uh, on his arm right and i think for what it is and for what we need to communicate and get out of the story. I think it works. See, I,
2: I, I, felt like, um, I felt like this book was pretty, like, it's pretty apt for the time, right? Like this is when we started to see the rise of the anti-hero and, you know, the punishers and the Venoms and the Wolverines of the world. And just the, the, the general, um, you know, sort of darkness of this time period and everybody falling in love with, I think this kind of story. It's not too long later that we get like Pulp Fiction and stuff like that. So this feels pretty in league with those things. Um, And it feels like in a comics with an X book done by a creator who had reached already the highest highs at the big two, Um, which I think is a compelling thing. Um, especially at that time period. and I like the book's edginess i I appreciate the fact that it's just insane, you know, um, and not it doesn't even all make sense. You got people surviving bullet hell, um getting shot in the face. Like everybody's a superhuman in this book. Um, the, there are just no rules. And I love that thematically, like, In Sin City, the rules don't apply. The rules of art don't apply. The rules of humanity don't apply. Um, The rules of story don't apply. It's just lawless. And that was something that um, I really enjoyed about the book. Just Frank Miller cutting absolutely loose.
0: I actually – I agree with you, Sean, actually, because I think uh, maybe Miller tried to make this kind of like something that's not being published right now in comics, but I think it then falls into the same tropes that either – were in comics at the time, just maybe not as obvious in the Nora book, uh, or become tropes soon after because of this. Uh, just like, yeah, it's, it's, there's no superheroes in it, but how many people get shot six times in this book? You know, eyeballs get ripped out. Some guys get shot in the face, but he's fine, you know? Uh, so on paper, yes, they don't have superpowers, but how do you get through that without having superpowers, you know? Um, So, and just like the, even like the way he draws the characters too, there's a very Kirby-esque, you know, meatiness to a lot of the characters. Like Marv, that's a Kirby character, you know? (laughs) That's a dude, like he's got the Thing fists on him. And with all the band-aids on his face, he almost looks like the Thing in some shots. Uh, So, whereas I can almost feel like this maybe was uh, Miller trying to do something different, but at the same time, the, the bones of, comics is still there
2: yeah um the the story is really you know where I came alive or or I guess where the book came alive for me um because you know it, it is very much classic noir there are no there are no unforeseen twists or anything like that I think what makes this interesting so so compelling to me is what I mentioned before about how um, it adheres to the rules of Noir, but absolutely nothing else. Um, and that's kind of fun. It
0: adheres to the rules of Sin City. You know, like, right. like the, the one thing that the that, that, uh, sequence that jumps out to me is when they're, they're getting chased by the police when they're on their way to Old Town and then they get shot up. The, the police get shot up by a whole bunch of, uh, uh, I guess, was it, were they strippers that were the ones shooting them up? The strip club girls? Um, it was the women of Old Town. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, and it's like, all right, that's Sin City, you know. <laughs> it's not. It's it's not. It's Chinatown, baby. It's Sin City, baby. Um, and uh, I like how it, it does establish its own kind of rules in the book itself. Which then, you know, Sin City is how many? How many volumes is it? It's six or something. Yeah, like six or eight seven. volumes. Damn. So you gotta have to establish a. a, a not a lore but a, a rule book for this world yeah
1: that was one of my critiques is uh i i didn't always understand the power scaling sometimes because i was like okay this person could do this thing but then this person could do this but then they are they were also like but it's also a weak gun so I was like okay what what is true and what should i be looking out for because then the next time that somebody pulled a gun out i'm like well, hold on a second. Is it the right caliber? Like, are we aiming the right place? But also, is this person invincible?
0: Power scaling. I mean, that's I, it's such a manga way of reading this.
1: <laughs> that's, that's the only way I was thinking about it. I'm just like, where, where are you? Where are we? How do you stack up against these other people?
0: You know, as I say that, though, there is a bit of manga in this, it feels. The, the, so. the pacing of it. You know, with each, you know, this was traditional comic book issues, but I'm reading in this smaller format that I actually enjoyed reading it in. Um, and the way that, you know, each issue kind of has a little cliffhanger at the end, which in the cliffhanger is usually Dwight got fucked up somehow. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, it, it is a purposely makes you want to turn the page to the next ex-
2: issue. Um, That's a good storytelling. It is. It is. Yeah. Um, I I liked Ava a lot. I bet you did. (laughs) Because it's crazy because, you know, again, this is as far away from superhero comics as you can get, but yet you have a character who is, she has a superpower. And that's what, that's another thing that Frank does so interestingly here. It's almost like the motivations of the character become a superpower for them. In her case, her motivation is to get as much out of this world as she possibly can she's she's accepted that this is a place that's like hell and she's going to you know she's going to uh capitalize on what she can what she brings to the table um and in a way how similarly to how the joker is a force of nature uh she's a force of nature you know we don't know why she's like this we don't know what turned her into this we don't know that she's ever been anything other than this but she is all powerful in the way that she knows exactly what it is that she can do well, and she wields her she wields her power like a like a a nuclear bomb. Um, and her power is to manipulate men.
0: The whole uh, side story with Mort, I think his name was the the detective that you know, like two thirds into the book, she seduces the detective who's on her case for her her husband's death, so much so that like. He kills his partner and then shoots himself. Like if that's not you know uh, uh, X Men level power of <laughs> of manipulation, I don't know what is. Um, but that but bringing up Aba is a good point because uh, women in this book, uh, women in Frank Miller books in general, <laughs> are uh, treated interestingly. Uh, it's it's weird um, because I think the women in here have agency. Uh, you know, I think, uh, what's her name? Gail, is it? It's one of the, um, the, the ninja essentially of the group where I guess Frank Miller wanted to do more electra books. So he threw Gail into this, um, where, uh, they have agency and they are powerful, but they are sex objects in a way. Um, they are sexualized and the men don't trust them, (laughs) You know Matt says in the book, I mean the, the the book is called a Dame to Kill for. you know It's not the most uh, uh, positive way to uh, positive thing to call a woman, but uh, it's a weird middle ground that you know Miller depicts women in this book.
2: Um, I think the I think that the way we talk about sexualization makes it sound as if it's inherently bad. and I think this book views it more as an exchange. Uh, power is what is at play in Sin City, and the women that we see simply understand how to wield the power that they have access to. For some of them, it's exclusively sex. A- Ava's allure is 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 you know men wanting her. She doesn't. She's not physically strong. She can't beat anybody up, but she can make men kill each other for her. You know, she can use her power to solve her problems. But Miho solves her problems in another way. She kills people. You know, she has no issue cutting people down with her swords. And so I think that everybody's power is positioned in the same way. It's just a different kind. And none of them are are inherently uh, more powerful than
1: another. I think to that um I'm freeing the 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 dancer that Marv is enamored with um but she wields that power but she doesn't get presumably victimized or brutalized in any degree because she because you know that Marv is there protecting her but she is carrying the room she is entertaining the room and um to your point driving uh, uh, or controlling that power like wielding it in in a way for her that is advantageous to her I think that's a good point
0: Yeah, I mean, there is, you know, domestic abuse in this, but that's maybe that's the North, you know, uh, uh, realm of things as well. Um,
2: Where was the domestic abuse?
0: Well, I mean, I I view it in in the way uh, Dwight just beats Gail and then uh, beats uh, Ava and then has sex with her right afterwards, like the one that Marco brought up earlier. That was a part of her power. There's a lot of backhanding involved, but yeah, it it is a power exchange.
2: Yeah, that was a part of her power. Yeah, everything we see in the book. Is an exchange on even ground, and if it's not even ground, chances are the women are actually wielding the power more, regardless of what you see. And I think that's why Ava is so powerful is because what you see is not what you get with her at all, and that's a that's often the case with the people in Sin City.
0: And I think I think the the opposite of it too is compelling in the in the sense that it shows how unpowerful Dwight is for, throughout most of the book. He gets yep. mollywhopped throughout most of this book, both physically and he just gets manipulated, you know, throughout yeah. this. And he's a protagonist, so he's the superhero of this story in a way. Um, and he's he's making bad decisions left and right. Um, nothing works out for him uh, until the end. And even at the end, he doesn't really do a good thing. So our, our protagonist isn't really a good guy in this either.
2: No one is. Yeah. Yeah. Every single character we come across, I think even if we don't explicitly see them do something, you know, uh, horrible, the implication is that that everyone does and everyone has. And I
0: like that. So, Marco, in terms of the uh, – and, and apologies for the little blip in the stream, guys, if you guys are here in the live chat. Um, but, Marco, one of the, uh, the questions that we were talking about is the fact that there are no real – likeable or protagonist in this do you do you find that compelling still? E,
1: hmm, still is in like a 2023
0: comic? No, I mean just in general in terms of storytelling. Like if there's no likable characters in, it, I mean, I watched I've been watching I, I just finished a rewatch of Girls, the HBO show. Uh and nobody really is likable in that show. I mean, they are I would say like Sex and the City is the same way like as a whole, nobody's really... I don't find anyone really likable in Sex to the City. There are aspects what? I find. Oh, I knew I triggered Sean with this one. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> I'm going to take a stab. But a But I still back. find it compelling, even though I'm like, oh, you dummy, why did you do that?
2: Um, it's not the same thing as unlikable. <laughs> I, uh, watch Girls. Nobody's likable. Um, I've watched Girls. I've watched the first season of Girls. Oh,
0: well, it's got five more. Um, Adam's all right. Do you still think that like it's still enjoyable I guess enjoyable is the better word I'm looking for
1: I, I i do i I think uh because then you start you start sort of in some cases watching and or reading for the caricatures that people become I think maybe you get up to a point where uh they a person is unlikable in in the story and then starts to become the character if that makes sense like they are presented as this but as the that progresses, they just lean a little bit more into it. So yeah, for me, I think it works. And I think in this story, it works well, because that feels a bit more Um, the word that Sean was throwing around earlier was honest. And I think that that's fine. I think as long as you're as long as each of these characters is true to their character and or character flaw, then I think it becomes a compelling, it can become a compelling story. And in this case, it was
0: So one of the other things I wanted to talk about is that, um, there, the one thing I noticed in in this too is the panel layout of the art. Um, and there are some panels with borders and some panels without borders. There's a lot of use of the three panel page layout, um, which, which funnily funnily enough, I think Darwin Cook uses a lot in new frontier. Mm -hmm. Um, That you see throughout this book and uh, the fact that some pages uh, that are more kind of uh, bathed in light require that black border. But a lot of times like the, 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 the panel layout is non-existent. It's part of the art which I don't really see often and that really jumped out to me on this time around.
1: Yeah, I think it just plays out to the that contrast of black and white, like if you if you want to have space, he will choose that white background because then you can play with whether or not you need a a panel border and then the black will obviously, you know, delineate some level of separation because you're there's some intention there. So I think it's I think it's case dependent on like um, how effective it might be.
2: Yeah, I I, I thought it was thought it was fine. You know, a lot of the book is laid out in such a way where you see, you know, there's like a lot of like just prose, I guess, to it where it's just an image and then juxtaposed with like some kind of background and just, you know, narration or whatever, inner inner thoughts. Um And, you know, that was fine. Normally, I don't really love that in books. I find it to be something that slows things down. Um. I'm not so sure that that wasn't intentional. It reminds me of the moment, moments, in a movie like this where a character might be transitioning from one place to another, and while that's happening, we can hear their thoughts. This felt like the equivalent of that. I was going
0: to ask you specifically. I had it. I had it in my notes here. Ask Sean about the pros, because um, I know you've talked, you know, about, I guess, more modern comics where things can be a little prosy. I know Marco's a fan, but you know, flash the size barriers flash where there's a lot of talking in that book. And there's a lot of internal monologue. Do you think that it's just, this is just done well, or do you think the setting of it lends itself to that more? Cause when you think of a noir, the, the, the detective, you know, monologuing behind it is kind of integral to the, the form of it all.
2: Yeah. I don't, I don't think that there is an ab- overabundance of, dialogue or narration in this comic I mean outside of that specific trope which as I said is being used as a trope um, I feel like the dialogue is crisp and brisk and it does what it needs to do it all feels intentional for the character it doesn't feel uh, self-serving on any level it's easy to fall into because it's you know there's nothing like when you, when you read certain comics, it's like, okay, did this need to be said? You know, was this a relevant bit? Um, or is this just for the writer? And I never had to ask myself that question while reading this.
1: That's fair. It's a good point, too. Like, yeah, if, if you don't question it, if it works for the story. um, in, in those moments, I think I found myself surprised at how much I need to read. But it worked for the narrative and I didn't mind that
0: Surprised by how much I need to read is me uh realizing uh I had to read this again two days ago so I was mm-hmm. like oh I forgot how much the the, the the panels the side panels are full of prose um but I do think it works on a case-by-case basis I think that it the the noir trappings lend itself to prose and internal monologue uh, whereas, like, the flash does not. Sorry, still gonna crap on that here.
1: One, um, you're wrong, but uh, one thing that uh, I noticed, and in, in, in specifically to the lettering, and, and this threw me off a few times, but the U's in particular are all lowercase U's as opposed to everything else being capital or capitalized. It, it has the little, like, the little tail, and um, that to me threw me off a few times.
0: Interesting. Cause I, cause I, I did some research into it and I believe this was uh hand lettered from this, from what I gathered. Um, you know, whereas, you know, when I think of specific lettering, I think of ultimate universe versus, you know, main six one six universe of Marvel comics where ultimate universe uses capitals and then lowercase and main six one six is all capitals. Um, I don't know the reason to that for that in this, other than that's how Frank Miller writes a U.
1: Yeah, for sure. No, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think I think it is just stylistic, but it's just that one change in letter. I would catch it mostly on the SFX, but you know, it's it's throughout the the entirety of the book. It just it just caught me. So, I mean, in terms of, like, the, the, the
0: plot, there's not much there. I mean, it, it, it's straightforward. And, you know, nobody's really likable, but, you know, everyone gets their comeuppance in a way. Um, there is a good there is a good uh, couple of panels throughout this book that have Hellboy references <laughs> in it. Uh, because at the same time, Mike Maniola was a contemporary and Hellboy was coming out with, from Dark Horse at the same time. I think in Dark Horse Presents. Um, and... Uh, I thought that was a, a, a neat little thing. And there's also one bit where um, it's Mort and his partner, whose name I forget, Bobby, maybe? Um, the detectives. They're driving, and you see Marv and a woman driving at the same time, uh, which kind of jumps out a little more on the page than actually Mort. Uh, and that's actually to show that it is happening contemporarily with uh, Sin City Volume 1. Uh, because, spoiler... Marv does not make it out of Sin City Volume 1, so uh, the fact that it happens at the same time, sort of, um, lets Marv be in this book still, uh, and then to capitalize on the character of Sin City uh, for the, the mini series that's actually dubbed Sin City instead of Dark Horse Presents, which I thought was a neat little, little Easter egg there.
1: Oh, okay, that's cool. I did see that, and I saw, like, oh, I'm like, wait, wasn't he just, like, in a fight? Like, what's going on here? Like, okay, that makes sense.
0: I think that's when he, they go to kill Kevin, I think. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I generally like this book a lot. I mean, this is more of an art feast for me. I think the the story is fine. I think it's, No, I think it's good. I think the story is good, but it's not breaking any molds in terms of the actual beats that it does. Um, but for me, it's more of a smorgasbord of, uh, of art uh, more than anything. Did you guys have anything you guys wanted to to kind of pick apart throughout this?
2: No, I mean, I think we've done it. Uh, I think this is a really strong entry from a a creator who, you know, this is is the prime of Frank Miller's career. Mm. Um, And I think that, you know, there's definitely a lot to like here. I had a great time with the story. I think it was a lot of fun. Um, You know, it's dark and definitely edgy, but, you know, that doesn't bother me um i think that a lot of things have come after this that might that might make this seem like not as much of an achievement um like criminal for example by Brubaker and phillips is sin city um Mm. you know it might not be called that but if you read it you can't deny at least some level of the um of the influence you know there's nothing wrong with that and then of course you have the sin city movie which is something that i think pop culture wise far out what people think about the comics or whether they even know that they are comics i think back to when the movie first came out and i had no idea it was a comic book yep. does that movie have lasting
0: uh uh i guess value in the the public eye
2: I, I think Sin City is something that people remember. I think especially um, before the sequel came out, there was a huge clamoring for more Sin City. And then I think I didn't see it, but I think maybe it wasn't very good. Um, but the idea of Sin City is definitely something that I think in, can, uh, is enduring. Yeah, I mean,
0: that's probably why we have a spirit movie that wasn't too great. <laughs> Um, which is like a weird reversal of the of what's influencing what uh, from the comic, right? Um, yeah, but I never crazy. saw the movie, so I, I don't know its pop culture significance. Honestly,
1: I, I mean, it, it's one of those things where I feel like um, afterwards you you would you would get all of the or a, a few mo- movies afterwards would ape the single color grading for like. Uh, to, to uh, accentuate something. So for the spirit, it was his red tie for the the yellow something. I'm forgetting the name of that one, but it was just like a, a, a dude in yellow and that stuck out because everything else was black and white. I think it led to that stylistic choice for a while and I've seen it since. So yeah, I think it definitely has some staying power.
0: You talking about Dick Tracy? The what? The dude in yellow. I think of Dick, about- Dick, Dick Tracy and then the, the uh, Curious Georges guy.
2: Talking about oh. Yellow Bastard.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, and the Sin City book. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay.
2: He was talking about the movie. Yeah. And how yeah. that, yeah. Um, uh. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a great movie. And I think at the time, it was seen that way.
1: I think it's remembered that way, too. Like, I, yeah. I have fond memories of being like, that was a fun-ass movie. That was really cool. I hadn't seen these other things. And it's to some extent, it's a little absurd, too, which I think plays to its advantage. All I remember,
2: I remember being—I think I was like 15 or whatever age I was—and Jessica Alba Word. playing. I forget the character's name, but she's one of the dancers at the club. And I remember, I remember that day learning that um, I, I like Jessica Alba.
0: <laughs> I realized you—I felt like you were going to overshare there for a second, and you caught yourself. So I appreciate that. <laughs> Um, no, uh, I know what you mean, Sean. I, I I know the shot you're talking about too.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I uh that was interesting. Yeah, that was interesting.
0: <laughs> Good movie.
2: It's not falling around. Yeah. Let's keep it. Let's Great keep it PG. Movie. Um,
0: but yeah, that's that's Sin City a game to kill for. Um, I enjoy it. It has helped make uh me appreciate Frank Miller. I mean, I, I'll be honest, I was not a big Frank Miller guy a decade ago. Um, and since mm-hmm. then, I've kind of learned to really enjoy him. Like, even his current Marvel stuff, like, in, 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 in so much as the, the variant covers that he does, I enjoy um, the uh, the naming of Dark Knight 3. Maybe not so much, uh, but, <laughs> and uh, Holy Terror, oh boy, that is not going to be a book club. That will not be one of the things you can ever vote for.
1: Have it, have it.
0: Um, I bet you do, Marco.
1: <laughs> I bought it specifically so I could be like, you know what, everybody's throwing their opinions out about this. About my opinion, let me read it.
2: And then you Typic- proceeded to not read it. So Typical read man. It. Typical man. Um,
0: yeah. So, um, thanks for listening to the technical issue book club. Uh, but uh, we can announce actually what our what our next vote like book club voting uh, options are. Um, here. So, uh, yeah, there will be three options that you have. Um, and let's see. Sean, did you put yours in here? I see Marco's. and I'm Yeah. Fine. We
2: can just announce our own. Yeah,
0: just announce your own. Yeah, Marco, I <laughs> wanted to say what yours was.
1: Uh, 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 oh, oh, my next pick is Vader Down. That is a, the Marvel um, the Marvel relaunched specifically the, the arc where it crosses over with Star Wars and their Darth Vader book that was going on concurrently at the time. Um, 2016, I want to say, maybe a little bit later. A um, lot of fun. Great, great art. Great storytelling, um, please vote for it. I want to read it again.
0: I remember reading that when it came out. Uh, it's so good. So it's not good. bad. Do I remember it being good? I'm not sure,
2: but it's bro, pretty good. Is I, it? Okay. I
1: still, I still remember the line. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna shoot my load. Uh, I, I think I know that. like Yeah. There's a line that yeah. they, they, it's burned into my memory, and I think back to that. I'm just like chills, goosebumps.
0: So my pick is actually something that uh, might become relevant in the next coming years, thanks to James Gunn. Uh, I'm picking The Authority, book one, by Warren Ellis and Brian Hitch. Nice. Um, Just wacky Warren Ellis team books. That is my forte, honestly.
2: So, uh, be curious to see what people think about that. Awesome. Uh, My pick is Secret Invasion. We are a little late on the synergy with the TV show, but uh the the the, take heart in the fact that the book is far superior to that abomination i disliked secret invasion then i found that i love secret invasion so i'm excited to talk about secret invasion
0: and don't worry sean marvel also missed a synergy on it so uh not a big deal uh but that's that's the show um if you guys have any uh uh Thoughts on it. Feel free to comment. Feel free to follow us. Remember, Patreon is a thing where you can vote for those three aforementioned titles to to pick. And you can just vote against Marco just to see it make him feel bad if you want. Um, We're still getting the the Patreon money for it, you know. Um, But, yeah, I appreciate everyone. Uh, Thank you for for joining us. And until next month, this is the Comic Spells Book Club. See you then.
2: Take care, guys.
1: Vader.